Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Last week we began a a new series entitled The Power of Forgiveness. Last week it was all about God's ability to forgive us completely of our sins. And this morning we're going to take a little uh, closer look at our ability to forgive ourselves. You know, I said last week there's three levels of forgiveness. The first level that must be experienced is God's when we ask God to forgive us and we receive and experience His forgiveness in our life. The second level then becomes us being able to forgive ourselves. And the third level is us being able to forgive others, to extend that forgiveness. That's what we'll be talking about next week. But one of the things that is absolutely miraculous about God's ability to forgive us, and you've heard me say this before, is the fact that when God forgives us, He he forgets. Forget about it. He forgets about it. That is miraculous, right? The Bible tells us when we ask God for forgiveness, he, he, it says he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. In other words, they are gone. He doesn't remember them. Now, the big problem that a lot of times we have as humans is that even though God forgives us of sins and he forgets them, We don't possess that miraculous ability to forget things like God does. But I'll tell you this, at I'm 61, I am making major strides in this area in my life. I'm getting good at it. My wife will say, don't you remember I told you this? I said, I forgot. And, and I'm telling the truth. <laughs> we, boy, the older we get, the better we get at forgetting things, don't we? But for us humans, forgetting all of the just stupid and selfish, just downright sinful decisions that maybe we've made in our lives, that can be a pretty tough thing to do, especially, especially when the consequences of our sins or bad decisions are lingering on. And how many of you know, yes, God forgives us of our sins, but there's always consequences to pay. Those don't always go away nearly as fast as the forgiveness comes. So that's a whole nother sermon, but I just thought I threw that in for free this morning. We've all made decisions that we've regretted, right? Anybody here, you've never made a decision you didn't regret? All of us. We've all made choices that we wish we could undo. We think, sometimes we think we're making a good decision, whether it be in our personal life, our relationship, in our career. We we maybe think it's a good decision, but maybe we haven't bathed that in prayer and we just kind of bull forward and make choices and we don't see all of the hidden baggage that's attached to it. And we get to carry that around sometimes, don't we? We don't always see the consequences of the decisions we're making. And I would say a lot of times that's true because I would like to think that most of us 
most of you, you don't make a habit of making decisions that you know ahead of time are going to cause you a lot of trouble and have a lot of emotional baggage attached to them. But sometimes we don't realize that we're going to end up with some feelings of guilt or regret, maybe even some shame due to choices that we decided to make. And if we do realize that the potential for those feelings are there before we make that choice, sometimes we allow the devil to convince us that we're smart enough or we're good enough, it's not going to bother us. But whether or not we see it coming, or we just think we're so smart we'll never get caught, People make bad decisions and end up with all of this emotional baggage that sometimes they carry around for the rest of their life. And I think the time that we are most apt to pick up some of this unwanted baggage is when we step out of God's will for our life. We talked about that last week. You know, we purposely step out of God's will, and that is called sin, that was really weak. When we purposely step out of God's will, that is called sin. There you go. I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. And sin gets us in trouble every time. We really need to remember that God's will is always God's best for us. You know, God tells us, I, I want you to follow my lead, but sometimes we say, well, no, I think I know what's best. I know what you're wanting me to do, but I, I think I'm just going to kind of do this thing over here. That is purposely stepping out of God's will. And it is always sin, and it always has consequences. That's the definition of sin. Sin is what separates us from God, right? And you can absolutely take it to the bank. As I said, there is always going to be consequences to our sin. And the consequence may not even be getting caught. A lot of times when people say, there's going to be consequences to your sin, people think, oh, that means I'm going to get caught. Maybe not. But there's still going to be consequences. There is a high probability that somebody here today or someone watching us online You've done things in your past that would cause you to be horribly embarrassed, even ashamed if everybody knew about it, but they don't. Only you know about it. Well, you and who? You and God. You're the only two that know about it, and yet it, it brings shame into your life. And a lot of people carry baggage around like that, and the only solution for this folks, is forgiveness. God's forgiveness to us and us being able to ultimately forgive ourselves because God has forgiven us. So last week we learned about forgiveness that we receive from God through the story of the prodigal son. The son left home, turned his back on his father, squandered about half of his father's estate, and then he decided to return home and the father just welcomed him with arms wide open, right? That was the object lesson on how God always continues to forgive us. God will forgive us of anything that we ask of him. No matter how far we run from God, he is always just one step away from forgiving us 
and welcoming us back. Aren't you thankful for that? And when he forgives us, it's never brought back up again. It is completely forgotten. Ezekiel 33.16 says this, None of the sins he has committed will be remembered against him. Who's thankful for that one? That is how God forgives. But the problem we're talking about today isn't the forgiveness from God. The problem we're talking about is learning to forgive ourselves, to let go of that baggage and guilt and shame that we've been hauling around and uh, how that we have a tendency to carry that stuff around uh, for years, even though God has forgiven us and he's forgotten about it. Once God forgives us, that forgiveness is is absolutely real. It is real. But how many of you know it doesn't always feel real to us until we're able to forgive ourselves? So the question we want to answer is today, how, how do I forgive myself? You know, one person that was right there when Jesus was telling that story of the prodigal son and heard it with his own ears was Peter. And Peter was by far the most outspoken of the 12. He was that burly fisherman by trade. He was pretty brassy kind of guy. Didn't have much of a filter. You know, if he's thinking it, he said it. You you didn't have to guess what Peter was thinking. Peter had a gift for speaking before thinking about the consequences of his words. Aren't you glad you've never done that? At the Last Supper, Peter, oh, he just pledged up and down that he's going to walk alongside Jesus all the way to the end, even if it means giving up his life. That's what he was saying, right? And Jesus, he rebukes him, tells him that, listen, you're, you're not going to do that. In fact, you're going to deny me three times before the sun even comes up. But Jesus, or Peter still still denied that, that, that he would do that. But sure enough, we know that's exactly what ha- ended up happening, right? Peter, you know, who, oh, he would die before turning his back on Jesus. He, couldn't, he didn't even have the boldness or the strength to admit to a young girl that he ever even knew Jesus. So that's how tough he got all of a sudden. So, When Jesus absolutely needed him the most, Peter just completely turned his back on him. Wouldn't even admit he had ever met him. And so you know, as soon as those words came out of Peter's mouth, he felt this weight of shame and regret. And right at that point, Peter's future was in question. It wasn't an issue of whether God would forgive Peter. His future was in question because now would Peter be able to forgive himself and move on and be used in the kingdom of God? You know, a lot of times, the reason people don't make themselves available to be used in the kingdom of God is because they feel they're not worthy to be used. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit. But right now, let me just say, You are absolutely worthy to be used if you will make yourself available. So, in our lives, it may not be that you've actually just flat out denied Christ. It may be that you've made some mistakes in your life and you just feel this guilt. 
Maybe you've missed God's opportunity in, in some career choice or major decision in your life and you're, you feel regret over that. Maybe you've lived your life so far outside of God's will that you just feel some kind of shame that you just think it's unforgivable. The issue is never, will God forgive me? If you ask him, he forgives. If you ask him with a sincere heart. The issue then just becomes, are you going to forgive yourself and move on and allow God to use you? Or are you going to use that guilt and shame as an excuse to not do anything in the kingdom of God? And that's really what it ends up becoming. Oh, well, I can't be used to God because, you know, blah, blah, I did this, this, and this. And so it becomes an excuse almost. Maybe, maybe some of you have been carrying around some really heavy baggage for a long, long time. Well, today is the day to take that step and just lay it at these altars and walk away from it. Amen? This morning, I want to spend uh, the rest of my time talking about the three requirements for forgiving yourself. There are three requirements involved in you being able to forgive yourself. The first one is this. You first have to come to God for forgiveness. That's step number one. Numero uno. Coming to God for forgiveness is the single most important step that any of us ever take in our lives. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you have you know, walked away from the Lord, He's always ready to receive you back with open arms. And His forgiveness is complete and unconditional. God's forgiveness is so complete, it, it does these three things. First, it overcomes the separation from God that sin causes in our lives. And we become reconnected with God. Secondly, His forgiveness assures us that we're going to spend eternity in heaven with God. That's a big deal, right? And thirdly, his forgiveness is what enables us to forgive ourselves and others. Without his forgiveness, none of this other forgiveness is ever going to happen. Peter had, I mean, he had messed up royally here. He had really jacked things up. He had promised Jesus face to face, right to his face, that, I oh, I would never deny you even if it meant my death. Then a few hours later, some little girl says, hey, weren't you one? No, no. And then he even you know, says a few swear words to kind of emphasize his point. I never even knew the guy. It's amazing what we humans are capable of, isn't it? And as soon as those words came out of Peter's mouth, I just have to know, I just have to believe that he felt like a thousand pound weight was just placed on his back. He had to have felt horrible about himself. And I'm, I'm sure he was beating himself up badly. Let me ask you this question. Even though Peter spoke those words, I don't even know the guy. Do you think that God still had a plan for Peter's life after him saying that? Well, absolutely he did. And the Bible proves it out. I want to share uh, just a couple of verses from Mark 16, 6 and 7, but let me just set this up. These two verses, 
They are right in the middle of the story of the very first Easter morning where Jesus had been buried in that tomb since Friday evening and now some women have gone to properly prepare his body according to Jewish rule. They get there and the tomb is what? It's empty. The stone is rolled back and of all things, sitting up on top of that stone is an angel. And here, this is the interesting part of this story, I think. What the angel says in verse 6 and 7. Listen to this. The angel says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now, here's the real kicker right here. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Does anybody find that interesting? How many disciples were there? Twelve? Maybe eleven at that point. I don't know the exact timeline. But she, she, why didn't she just say, look, go tell the disciples, blah, blah, blah. She felt that the angel, she, I'm saying she, I don't know if it was a she, but I picture, you know, long blonde hair, wings sitting up on top of that stone. It might have been a guy. I don't know. So the angel felt the need to not just leave it at go tell the disciples. The angel felt the need to say, oh, and, and Peter too. Now, why, why would the angel do that? The angel had knowledge that Peter was possibly on the verge of checking out of the 12 because he felt so horrible about himself because he felt he'd probably done something that this is there's no forgiveness for what I just did and so the angel made it I just find it interesting that he tells the women go tell the disciples but feels the need to call out Peter's name specifically you have to think that God knew how horrible and unworthy Peter felt, and God was wanting Peter to know, look, I know what you've done, but I, the plan is still there for you. The choice is just whether you're going to come back. The forgiveness is yours for the asking. That's good news, isn't it? And that is, and that is the key right there. We need to know that God forgives us so that we can actually receive the forgiveness for ourselves. When God forgives, it is a five-fold forgiveness. And here's what I mean. Five-fold forgiveness. First of all, His forgiveness, God forgives specifically. You know, sometimes it's easier. You lay down, go to bed, you're going to say your prayers, say, Lord, and Lord, forgive me of any sin I may have committed that I don't even know about. Anyone ever prayed a prayer like that? You just want to make sure everything's covered because sometimes we do things that we're not even aware was wrong until God reveals it to us. You know, our lives, fortunately, are kind of like a head of lettuce in that God reveals to us, you know how a head of lettuce just starts to get gnarly looking around the edge and then it's up to us? We need to peel those things back, you know? Get that junk. That lettuce head represents our life. Get that junk out of our life. So we peel those off. looks great. A few days later, it looks stinky again. And you peel those off, and uh, sure enough, it's all looking good. A few days later, same, you know, it's in its cycles like this. 
Aren't you thankful God doesn't reveal to you everything you need to clean up in your life in one fell swoop? We'd just be so overwhelmed, we would probably throw in the towel. But in his mercy, it's a process as he, as he makes us mature in him. Amen? Where was I at? Because that's not in my notes. So he forgives specifically. Thank, thank you, Esther. <laughs> We've prayed those general prayers of forgiveness, but it's those very, it's those real specific sins that we have committed in our lives that, man, we know every detail about. And they have a tendency to kind of stay locked up there in our heads and roll around, and it's just kind of hard to shake them. God wants you to know that he forgives you of those very specific sins that the devil would love to have you just keep rolling around up there and to just continue to make you feel guilt and shame, even though God has not only forgiven you, he doesn't even remember about it. So why should we be hauling that around, right? You need to know and believe that when God forgives, he forgets, and so should you. Secondly, the second of the fivefold forgiveness, God forgives instantly. I'm thankful for that too. There's no begging involved. There's no, you know, get out on your knees and grovel around. Oh, please, 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 please. God doesn't say, no, I'm going to need a few more pleases on this one. Okay, please, please, please. You know, the moment that we ask for forgiveness, he forgives as long as we are sincere in our asking of forgiveness. Thirdly, God forgives completely. God forgives specifically, instantly, and completely. There are never any leftovers. You're never going to hear God come back to you and say, you know what, hey, you remember when you did this. You know, us guys that have been married, for guys, you're going to have to back me up. You know, we, uh, we've experienced situations. This is why I believe God is male. Because how many of you had said, oh, honey, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about this. Well, what do you mean you're sorry? You, you, you know, you, that's what you said last time. Last time? When was last time? <laughs> March 13, 1987. I can't believe you don't remember this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And we admit to knowing it, even if we don't, because that just digs us deeper in, you know. Oh, yeah, it's a... That's why God's man, because women don't forget anything. <laughs> they always remember. That's all, that's all women. I'm talking to all of you. Learn to forget, man. Learn to be more godly and forget. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I better go on, because i got to go home this afternoon, too, just like the rest of you, so... <laughs> you're never going to hear God say, oh, you won't forget. Well, remember that, that you're never going to hear that. Once he forgives, that's it. Aren't you thankful for that? The only way it's ever going to be brought up again is if you bring it up. Fourthly, God forgives repeatedly. Here's one man I am thankful for there. He forgives repeatedly. With God, there is no maxing out on your forgiveness 
quota. With God, there are no limits. Look at someone and say, there are no limits. Now, having said that, I have to say this. That does not excuse us from working on our weaknesses that God has revealed to us in our life. You know, using that lettuce head, you know, I believe God doesn't hold us accountable for things that are concealed inside there that he hasn't even revealed to us that we should start working on. But all that junk on the outside that we see and we know about, we are absolutely accountable to be cleaning it up. So this is not an excuse. God's forgiveness is no excuse to just do what we want to do and say, (laughs) all I got to do is ask forgiveness. He has to do it. Well, he doesn't have to if your heart isn't right. He can't do it if your heart isn't right, I should say. We disqualify ourselves from God's forgiveness when in our heart we're not really sincere about what we've done wrong, about asking forgiveness. I'll move on. Who's glad? Number five, God forgives freely, free of charge. You know, there is no cost. Turn to someone and say, there is no cost. That's good. You know, we all love to hear those words, right? There is no cost. How much time do I have? I had a story, but I'll move on. Okay. (laughs) You know, sometimes things that come at no cost are good for you. Sometimes things that come at no cost could kill you. You have to have discernment. My wife and I had gone up to Illinois, and uh, we always go to this incredible German bakery called Trefsker's Bakery. It is renown all over uh, central Illinois. People go there. And so when we were driving up there, I called my mom. I said, hey, we're going to be going to Trefsker's. You want us to bring you back something? They have these incredible coffee cakes. I mean, everything's incredible there. And my mom says, oh, yeah. I said, well, what do you want? She said, well, I'd like two butterscotch coffee cakes, a chocolate coffee, coffee cake, and one of those big orange chiffon cakes. Is that it? And so the coffee cakes weren't a big problem. We were going to put them in these. I bought some cheap styrofoam coolers, put a little ice in there, you know, and we were going to, we decided we we're going to drive all the way straight through back home because we're, now we're hauling all this stuff, you know, that could spoil. But this orange chiffon coffee cake was huge. It wouldn't fit in a cooler. So my buddy and I, the night before we left, we went and got these big blocks of dry ice. And to this uh, little town outside of Peoria, there's this place that manufactures dry ice, open 24 hours a day, which I find odd. Who, you know, like three in the morning, I need some dry ice. But anyway, <laughs> they're, they're open 24 hours, which amused me. And we got there about nine o'clock at night, and I banged on this door. It's all locked because of COVID and everything. And there's a little speaker, you know, someone will be right there. Okay. And, uh, you know, they say, can we help you? The only, place, the only thing this place makes is dry ice. Can we help you? <laughs> I need some dry eyes. And so the guy comes, you know, no problem. And uh, he says, how much you need? I said, oh, a few pounds probably. He said, no problem. And the stuff is normally like $3 a pound, I think is what I do. But the guy comes out, he opens up this door, hands me this big black. There's these two big blocks in there, about this big square and about that thick. I'm big. And, and I pull out my bill for it. He says, nah, don't worry about it. Just take it. Free. We all love free, right? 
I was not going to stand there and argue with the man, you know. He said, no, just take it. Don't worry about it. Okay. But we didn't know the baggage that was attached to this stuff. And the baggage is we were like 10 hours into this trip. And two things that were working against us. Uh, one is we did not know that as dry ice evaporates, it does not melt. It evaporates into a gas that will kill you. It's like putting a cloth in your tailpipe and getting in your car and you can go online and look at dangers of dry ice and it'll tell you, don't put this stuff in your car and uh, or if you do, make sure you have the circulating air, which I didn't. I had forgotten to have our AC on research, so you know we're not getting any outside. And about 10 hours into this trip, Janet tells me how bad she's feeling because it's in the back seat with her. <laughs> uh, I did not plan this, I'm just telling you. All of this dry ice is in the back seat in this like nylon bag, but it's certainly not airtight or anything around this big box, cake box, you know. And so she starts to feel really bad. And then I realize, man, I'm, I've been fighting for the last couple hours. This doesn't usually happen to me. I'm just, I can't hardly, I feel like I can't stay awake. I feel like I have no energy. And we had stopped to run into this gas station. When we came back out, she decides, well, I'm just going to Google this. And then she's, oh, look at this. There's people that have died in their car because they just kind of go to sleep and run off the road and that's it. So I said all that to say, not everything that is free is good for you. It can kill you if you don't know a lot about it. But then we rolled our windows down and, and you know, driving down the highway. But within about 15 minutes, we felt so much better. Other than that, Pastor Todd would be up here preaching this morning. <laughs> So maybe that's not a bad thing, but I'm just saying it is, it is a possibility. So once again, I'm way off of my notes. Until, until you experience God's forgiveness, you are not going to know what real forgiveness is, and you absolutely will not be able to offer it to yourself, let alone anyone else. You have to experience it first. And that's why sometimes, you know, people are so quick to forgive themselves. You know, they could go out and kill somebody. Well, but I choose to forgive myself. Or whatever the case may be. Well, you know what? Until you have accepted God's forgiveness, you don't have the right to forgive yourself. You don't have the authority to forgive yourself. There's no forgiveness to extend to yourself there. But boy, people get pretty good at it. But it's a false forgiveness. There is no forgiveness there because it has to start with a sincere heart asking for God's forgiveness. That's where it starts. Now, here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. He says, he has forgiven all your sins. He has wiped out the evidence of broken commandments, which always hung over our heads and has completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross. Man, amen, right? So the first requirement for forgiving yourself, I'm getting back to our three-step process here of forgiving ourselves in our life. The first one is we have to come to God for his forgiveness. Here's step two. We have to change some life patterns. We can't just keep going on doing the same thing we've been doing and expect that God's forgiveness will always be there. Peter made some pretty significant changes after he received God's forgiveness. I mean, just seven weeks later, he's out, after denying he even knew Jesus, he is out preaching with such fervor and such authority that 3,000 people accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
Not long after that, he was, Peter was arrested for preaching and he was warned not to speak about Jesus in public anymore. That didn't work. It says in Acts that the members of the high council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter. That this same guy who just a few weeks ago was a big coward, boy, he is preaching with authority. And I think most of that change had to be the result of Peter receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's where the power came from, that we all need that same power. And that is exactly what it takes for us to have that power to begin to change destructive patterns in our life. To break through those walls that maybe for years you've been hitting and bouncing back and, and you've just not been able to break through. The difference is always the power of the Holy Spirit. So be seeking that. It's a life changer. One question that some people have is this. Well, Pastor Doug, can I just keep asking God to forgive me of the same thing over and over? I mean, you just said that God forgives over and over. And so I keep asking him to forgive me of the same sin that I keep committing over and over again, right? Well, the answer is yes and no. It's yes and no. One, we have to be sincere when we're asking for God to forgive us. He knows if we're really sorry for committing fill in the blank, or if we're just trying to soothe our conscience until we commit that sin again. We really don't intend on giving up that particular sin, but we're asking for forgiveness because we'd really like to know what we want is an insurance policy that covers us from now until the next time we might commit it. But we haven't really committed to ridding it from our lives. And in that case, I have to think that God's answer is, no, the forgiveness is not yours. Not yet, because you're not asking for it with a sincere heart. And like I said, only two people know about that, you and God. When we ask God to forgive us, it is imperative that we are in fact sorry for what we've done and that we truly want to rid our life of that. Not just buy a little time because we figure we're going to do it again before long. I won't ask for a raise of hands who's ever gotten yourself in that rut because we would just all embarrass ourselves probably. But it's real, and people do it all the time. We cannot use God's forgiveness as fire insurance, right? But then there are times in our lives when we're truly sorry for a particular sin. We really want to change, but we, we just haven't quite overcome it, but we're working on it with God's help and and. You know, we keep saying to ourselves, no, I don't want, I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't want to do it. And then you do it. And then the guilt and the shame and all that. And, and if that's happened in your life, listen, you're not the first. The apostle Paul struggled greatly with it. He says, I know what I don't want to do and I end up doing it. This is coming from the guy who wrote more books of the Bible than any other human being. He struggled with it. We've all struggled with it. God knows your heart. This is what it comes down to. God knows if you're really trying. And I believe as long as you're trying, His answer is always yes. 
but only you know in your heart if you're really trying or you're looking to buy some insurance. If you really want to forgive yourself of a specific sins, you've got to change some patterns of the way you do things that always tend to end up leading you into those temptations. You know, you've heard me share this story, but I like it, about the guy who, man, he just had a weakness for the bakery, Trefsker's Bakery. And finally, he said, God, listen, if you don't want me going in there, this morning when I drive by there, just not let there be one parking spot in front of the place. And then he goes on to say, but wouldn't you know, after driving around the block only 12 times, there was a space right in front of that bakery. We have to make an effort to change some patterns in our life, right? And here, here's probably the most important pattern you can place into your life. That's every day reading his word and spending some time in prayer. That, until that pattern gets put into your life, you're probably going to continue to struggle with always asking God to forgive you this, that, the other. You know, people today are so concerned about the state of the world, right? I mean, it's just, it's gone crazy and they're scratching their heads and they're saying, what has, what, why is this world so nutty? And everybody wonders if the answer is just some deep, dark, elusive truth that maybe no one will ever figure out. Well, I have great news for you today. You're going to be glad you came, glad you're watching. I'm going to reveal the truth, the answer to this question. The main problem with the world today is that too many people don't read their Bible and spend time in prayer. I've just answered the question. That's it. The answer is so simple, right? And yet some of we may say, yeah, that's right, amen. These worldly people just need to start reading their Bible and spend some time with God. But what I'm saying is, you know, uh, how, why should the church expect people in the world to pick up a Bible and read or spend time in prayer if according to polls, the majority of church folks don't do it. Why would we expect them to do it? We need to establish the pattern in our life. I could ask for everyone to stand to their feet, those that make it a priority to read and spend time in prayer every day, but it would be painful, so I'm not going to do it. The example has to begin with us. This is a pattern that needs to be established in our life if we, if we want to grow and we want to experience the freedom of his forgiveness. So let's recap. To find God's forgiveness, we receive forgiveness from God. We break free of destructive patterns in our life. We establish positive patterns. And lastly, we begin to create a new future for ourselves. Begin to create a new future for yourself. Now, maybe you're thinking that sounds pretty presumptuous. How can I create a new future? Isn't that what God does? And the answer is, uh, yes, God does that. But you have to have an active part in that process. God has got some really big plans for you and your life. God knows your, your potential. But God does not reach your potential for you. You have to reach your potential. With his help, yes, but you got to do something. You know, today you might feel like you're so far away from God, you could never be used by God in some significant way. You know, maybe you feel like you have run so far away from God that you, you just, you could never, he could never use you. 
You know, you, you've run so far that there is no way God can bring you back. Well, that is not true. That's not true. The truth is there is nothing you can do that will limit God's plan for your life as long as you're willing to ask sincerely for His forgiveness and forgive yourself and move on and make yourself available to be used. God's plan is not complicated. One, we ask for and we receive His forgiveness. Secondly, we turn from the harmful habits that we've placed into our life. And thirdly, we begin to develop healthy, godly habits. That's a simple three-step process. God will then begin to open doors of opportunity uh, for you to make a huge difference in this world and uh, in the lives of people around you, in your church. And you might be saying, I don't know, I, man, I've just got so much baggage from my past. I don't know if there's hope for me. I'm telling you, there absolutely positively is, and it's yours for just the asking. The deal is, if you ask God to forgive you, and then you forgive yourself, God, he begins to use all that old baggage for good. You say, how does that happen? I'm telling you, all of those hurts and feelings of shame and, and regret, all that junk you've been hauling around for years, if you sincerely ask God to forgive you, he forgets about it. You don't forget about it, though, and in a way, this is to help you be a blessing to others. You can now understand and relate to those who are going through these things, and you can share with them how God can just turn your life around even though they've experienced these things. That's how that baggage is turned around for the good in our life. God turns your hurts and your baggage into your testimony. Now, maybe you just don't see how God can forgive you and, and let alone use you in a mighty way. Well, you just need to just let me go through some of the names that are right now in God's Hall of Fame. They're in the hall. They weren't just believers. They're in the Hall of Fame. OK, Jacob, a liar and a cheater. Moses, a murderer. Samson can't keep his hands off the wrong women. David an adulterer, and a murderer. Jonah hopped in a boat trying to just run as far from God as he could run. Paul, who was absolutely relentless in his persecution of Christians, ends up writing more books of the Bible than anybody else. And even Peter, who swore up and down that even though you know, he, did, he absolutely never even knew Jesus, was used of God to start his church. That's the, that's the Hall of Fame, people. You know, as you leave here today, my challenge for you is this. Ask God for his forgiveness. He's, he's ready and waiting. Once you ask God for forgiveness, then just forgive yourself. He'll give you the strength and the power to do that. Leave all that baggage you brought with you today. I mean, just leave it down here. All the guilt, the shame, the disappointments, the regrets from your past, just leave them all at the altar today. Make a commitment to God that all of that junk is not going back out the doors with you today. You know, you're going to receive God's forgiveness. Forgive yourself, and you're going to cling to Romans 8.1 that says, Therefore, there is what? 
no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.